Well, hello Cornerstone, welcome from my house to yours, wherever you're watching this, whenever you're watching this. Uh, it's great to be with you. I need to uh, confess something in the spirit of Pastor Josh's sermon last week. Uh, I am a chronic overpacker. I suspect it stems from a bigger issue that I've got, which is I'm a chronic forgetter. And so when I need to go away, even for a short time, even overnight, I, I'm always worried I'm going to forget something. So I try to take everything. And it's not a particularly uh, great habit or practice, as many of you would know. And there was a, a season in my life where I felt the acute pain of being an overpacker uh, quite strongly. In my early 20s, I was a phys ed teacher and uh, worked as a chaplain. And I did a lot of outdoor education and loved it and did a lot of treks, canoe treks and hikes. And as you would know, on these treks, everything you take, you carry and you carry for the duration of the journey. And so even if it was only uh, sort of a kilogram or two of overpacking, you, you don't really feel that in the first part of the journey. You don't feel it in the first hour or the first sort of kilometer of the canoe trek or first kilometer or two of, of hiking. But by the 10th kilometre as you're going up the hill or the 5th kilometre up the river or the 5th hour towards the end of the day, it feels like the weight of the world is uh, sort of descending upon you and you really regret overpacking. And I've, I think probably everyone's experienced this kind of regret, uh, perhaps when you haven't got the car park that you wanted nice and close to the entrance to the shopping centre and you're over the other side of Westfield. And as you're lumbering with your bags across the car park, you really regret picking up those mandarins that were in special uh, if you bought in bulk or those potatoes. And again, by the end of the journey, they're just weighing you down. Uh, this is true in the, in the natural, in the physical. And like most things that are true in the physical, it's true in the emotional and the spiritual as well. And I... I feel like we are seeing in this most unique of seasons, we're seeing the manifestation of the weight of things, the heaviness coming not from necessarily the weight of anything itself, but the length of the journey. Now, we are fortunate, we're aware of this, that here in Brisbane in particular, we haven't really had the acute um, health crisis that many parts of the world have had. Certainly our brothers and sisters and friends in Victoria are experiencing a different journey and there's lots of, uh, a lot more families have been touched by the grief. But mostly here in Brisbane, most people probably don't even know someone who has had COVID. But I am increasingly noticing the weight of this season. I'm feeling it myself because of its length and the frustration, the uncertainty, of what's gonna come next, of when it's gonna finish and when it's gonna end, of living in rhythms that are un unfamiliar and uncomfortable. It all has its toll the longer that it goes. And um, I'm sure like me, you're experiencing some of that. Well, this morning, I've got good news for you. In the way in which this can, this pandemic of the human spirit in a way, if I can use that as a, as a phrase, that the heaviness and the darkness can lead to a hopelessness even uh, that we're experiencing. There is a, uh, for this pandemic, there is a vaccine in scripture. There is a vaccine in God. And that is 
biblical hope. I want to speak to you about the power of what hope is because I really feel there's an invitation for us to, um, to drink deeply of biblical hope and be transformed. Now, I use this phrase, biblical hope, because there is a way in which we use the word hope that is not untrue, but maybe not gathering the strength of when we read it in Scripture, and particularly the New Testament we're going to look at this morning. Um, I'm really hope that the Brisbane Lions win this weekend. I really hope they get to the grand final. You might really hope that next time you go to Westfield, you get a car park that's a lot closer to the entrance. All this we use in terms of hope, the sense of it'd be really good if that had happened, but we're not guaranteed. We're not sure if it will. It would be just nice. Well, when the writers of the New Testament, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speak of hope, it's clear that they're talking about something that has a strength and it has an assurance. It, it's solid. It's an experience of to live out of that's not of our own doing, but something that God instills within us. And it's there for us. And it is very interesting in the New Testament as we read about hope um, that it's, it's linked to endurance. It's linked to perseverance. And perhaps it's not surprising considering the context of those first century Christians and therefore the writers of the, the, the letters and of much of the New Testament in writing to the early church were writing to people who were experiencing uh, long suffering, who were experiencing persecution, very, very real, very, very uh, acute. And so there is a constant commendation and exhortation in scripture to live out of this thing called hope. It's theirs, it's for you. In God, there is hope. It's this sense of we're living between something, between what God has achieved for us through Jesus in his death and resurrection. It'll be fully realized. There will be a time where, it, where it'll be fully manifest. But we're living in between. But we should live like everything's going to be okay. Like, like God is with us. And no matter what we come up against, God will see us persevere. And I've just been struck again of how important it is for us and particularly the church, particularly not just for you, but for your family and for your workplace, for this city, that God's people, his, uh, the true sons and daughters of God would be revealed by them living out of a different spirit. And this morning, I just want to take a few moments to look in scripture uh, where it talks about this. And if I can just stretch this uh, metaphor of the pandemic and the vaccine of hope, the pandemic of fear, uncertainty, of, um, of hopelessness, the vaccine that God offers in biblical hope, to also look at the, the method of delivery, the way in which we receive that, two ways that we can receive that. Um, like I said, it's very much in scripture, it's very much linked to endurance, um, to going the distance. And in Romans 5, we have Paul uh, writes to the church in Rome. He says, therefore, since, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope 
of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Other renditions have hope doesn't disappoint. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Some things are very clear here. Paul, in, in, in this teaching gift, is making it really clear. This biblical hope, it's something that God does. He says it's been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit uh, who has been given to us. When we're living in hope, when we're living out of hope, we're living out of a different spirit. And all of the circumstances and challenges of our world might not change immediately, but we become different. We are of a different spirit. And I've been really exercised that that is something that's so important at the moment. Again, note the link to endurance. It says, and well, after he talks about hope, we, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but also in our sufferings, because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. It's like the end game of the endurance of this long journey is something happens in you that actually enables you to go that long journey. Um, and that's incredibly uh, reassuring. I mentioned before, I want to look at like the delivery method of this hope. I don't want us to this morning just have some sort of some nice words that we go, yes, we believe that's true. But it's an invitation to be experienced, to have our cup runneth over, uh, as it were, and um, live out of that hope. I'm going to the, the uh, two things I want to talk about briefly. One is is actually backing up over something that I said last time I was with you at Cornerstone Online. So at the risk of repeating myself, um, actually, it's not really a risk because I am going to repeat myself. The writer to the Hebrews says uh, we should not give up the habit. And that word in the original language, it's rendered in different translations differently. It says we should not give up. We should not neglect. We should not forsake the habit of meeting together as some people are doing. You recognize that some people are falling away. Um, and it says even more so as the day of the Lord approaches. Perhaps that early church would be quite surprised if they uh, were to know how long the Lord has tarried before it was coming back. Because in that time, there were people alive, people knew people who had been with Jesus. And so the hope of his return was imminent, this expectation that we're hanging on because God's coming back and particularly because they experienced persecution. It was very real. But the longer it went, the longer it felt like this might be a little bit longer than we thought. I think we know that experience. And the writer is saying here, Actually, given that it's going on, it's really important we come together because something's happening. Something important happens when we come together. Now, I've said this before. I know um, people like me, pastors, and even me, are guilty of using that passage in Hebrews for um, saying things that are maybe not its highest and fullest sense. Doing things like, you know, don't give up coming to church because in brackets, 
really nice when we preach to a full church. It's got a great vibe and we really need a few more people on the hosting team and to help out with the worship and to be in the car park. And this thing we call church needs some energy. So don't give up. It says in scripture, don't give up coming to church. Now, that's actually not untrue, but it's not the the purpose that the writer of Hebrews, he wasn't thinking about the hosting team of the Hebrews church. Sorry, Chris and Erica, as, pro, as important as it is. Um, but now, because we're not doing that thing, it gives me a freedom to really press in to say, actually, he's saying there's something very important. There's something supernatural that happens when we come together. So don't neglect it. That word is neglect, forsake, give up. It says there's a responsibility you've got if you're genuinely a follower of Jesus to to lean in, to find ways that you can be in fellowship because there is a sense in which when we gather together, we all carry the burden, the weight we carry is carried together. So it's not only that if you're feeling a heavy burden from this long uh, path of endurance, well, get in fellowship, connect with people whatever way you can, but also turn up because you're going to help someone else carry a burden. Don't neglect it. Don't forsake it. There's a responsibility there. So again, I put that before you this morning. We've got to find ways of doing that. You've got to find a way of doing that because in there is the promise of hope. The second thing I wanted to talk to you briefly about is actually almost the opposite. There's something happened when we all gather together. There's also something powerfully supernatural that, that births hopiness when we're by ourselves with just us and God in the secret place, the, the, the prayer closet. The, there's lots of names for it. Um, this week, I've had an experience. If I can be honest with just you and me, it's just you and me, right? Fine. Um, I think my levels of hope haven't been what they should be. I don't think I've been operating as much as I would like to and need to for the sake of my kids, for the sake of um, the people around me, for the sake of the team that I lead and our church. Uh, you know, I've been feeling very human these last couple of weeks and we're always a little bit more transparent than we'd like to think. And during the week, Josh, uh, I was just about to pop off somewhere and Josh said, can I just pray for you? And uh, the answer to that, if you're a pastor, is always, yes, you can. Uh, I'd like that. And, I, and I, I like when Josh prays for me. We're about to go into the book of Ephesians. Josh has been working with our magnificent teaching team on preparing a series on Ephesians. And the more he looks and we prepare there, the more we've got this sense of expectation. This is so timely uh, to look at Ephesians. Um, but he's been preparing there and he just... He said to me, I'd just like to, uh, to read, and I'm going to read it to you, out of the first chapter of Ephesians. I just want to read this and pray this over you. Uh, and it says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all his people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And when Josh was reading that, I instinctively went, oh boy, do I need do I need that wisdom and revelation? I was thinking of a whole lot of things out there. Yeah, this is good, Josh, because I need wisdom about what to do here and revelation about what's happening. And, and so because my mind went there, the next words really pierced uh, my heart and my spirit. I pray that he'll give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
Paul's prayer is not so you'd solve all your problems. It's so that you would know, you would have an encounter, an intimacy and a proximity with God that changes everything from the inside out. And it, it spoke to me right there. Um, and it goes on. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. The hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And I've been, if I'm honest, I've been drinking out of that well. Um, where here Paul says to the people, of, to the church in Ephesians, his prayer is that God would take you in and you, he would be revealed. You'll, he would be bigger in your eyes and bigger in your thoughts and bigger in your heart so that you would have hope. So that you would have hope. And um, it just so happened last night, I'm filming this Sunday, Saturday morning. Last night we had a worship time and it was magnificent gathering together. Wonderful things when we gather together. Um, and I'd ask Josh and Clem to both share a scripture uh, to then lead us into a time of prayer. And Josh was leading us into a time of prayer for our nation. And Clem, for our, for our church and the church. And what passage did Clem uh, feel to lead us in? Ephesians 1, verse 18, verse 15 to 23. So I'm pregnant with expectation about what God's going to speak to us out of this. But right there and then it was about what God was doing with just me and him. The revelation. It's so important that in our, in our prayer time, in our time in the word, that God releases in us hope. It's something that he does. See, the thing is, I, I can probably, I'm pretty good at not neglecting meeting together. My personality goes that way. I'm probably more guilty. I am more guilty of neglecting digging a well in my private life, in my prayer life. And I realize the power of that because God does something that imbues us with hope. And during the week, Josh also shared a sense that he had had, maybe a lot of you have seen this, I hope you have. I'm going to play a clip in a moment from it where he talked about this expectation and it all sort of fits together here that we wait on God. It was out of Isaiah, those who wait upon the Lord will rise up on wings like eagles. And he had a picture of just spreading our arms and waiting for the uplift. That's what hope does, isn't it? It gives us uplift. There's something that happens when we gather the, together. God's hope is there. It's present. We're sharing something. We're reminded we're part of something bigger. We're reminded God is with us. When we're in that secret place, the private place, God is with us there. The product is hope. And in a sense, none of those things out there change, but everything changes because we're reminded who is with us. And I'm just, I really want to invite you. I want to encourage you. This is on offer for us. Find places to dig wells to life-giving water with others and with just you and God. We're going to do that right now. I'm going to play uh, firstly, just a little bit of what Josh shared because I thought it was great. And then after that, it's going to go to a video. If you need to get on with your day, that's fine. Maybe come back and do it later. But there's just some time here for you to dig a well, uh, to invite God to come and imbue you with hope. Not so that he'll solve all of the problems, so that he 
will reveal himself to you and you would be different. Bless you. So it's just tiring not having kind of like solid ground of of knowing, you know, what's in the future. Things keep changing. Uh, it's fatiguing. And um, I guess I was grumbling a little bit to God about that last week and, and, and maybe feeling like I've been flapping my wings uh, a bit and not really getting anywhere fast. Um, and, and as I was grumbling slash praying, um, I, I had the verse Isaiah 40, 31 come to mind, which is one that we've, we've, um, we've had floating around a little bit lately. And you'll probably know it. It says those that wait on the Lord will have their strength renewed. They will uh, rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And um, I felt like God was sort of challenging me not to keep flapping. Um, but actually, like you've probably seen an eagle on a thermal too, to spread my wings and, and trust that the, the uplift would come from the Holy Spirit, like, like the wind. You know, if that serves as a bit of an encouragement or as a prompt to anyone out there, just as a way of praying to think, um, about yourself standing, and this might seem a tiny bit dopey, but standing like a bird with, with your wings spread and waiting for God to blow, um, for the Spirit to lift you and to move you. Um, I think one opportunity that we have uh, at the moment is these worship nights to come and just to stand um, with your wings spread, as it were, and to invite God to lift and to move you. There is a river, the streams make blood. The city of God, the holy place. God is within her, she will not fall. God is her help at the break of day.